0: Josh is on his way back from vacation, so I'm doing announcements again this morning, so I'll try to figure out what we got to do. Uh, has everybody got a bulletin that needs one, wants one, can read one? Uh, we got a few extra back there, they're holding in their hands. Anybody want one? Slip up your hand, they'll get you one. All right, inside the bulletin are several things that you need to know. So if you want to know what you need to know, you got to have a bulletin. So um, a few things in there uh, that we need to kind of remember. Uh, First of all, uh, this is the time of year that the Nominating Committee is working towards filling positions for 2023. Um, It will be here before we know it. Um, Fall is already upon us and winter is uh, around the corner and the end of the year is uh, right there with it. So if you are willing, there's some positions in the bulletin that we are still in need of laborers for. Uh, and we've been praying that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the field and, and that you will volunteer. All right. Um, so also tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon at uh, three o'clock, we will have pals. Uh, that is our uh, people assisting little souls. And that is for K through uh, uh, fifth grade. And they will uh, be picked up uh, Uh, Blue Ridge we will run the van up there we will be running the van we have a van driver for tomorrow going there so make sure you send a note uh, for your child uh, to get on the bus there if you haven't let us know call the office in the morning or call today leave a message. Uh, so that Erica can get that, and we can make sure the school knows that tomorrow. If you're from Mountain View or Westwood, there will be buses that will run, so make sure you get on those buses again. Parents send notes, and those folks like Scott Grubb will get you on the right bus. Right, Scott? Amen. All right, so just wanted to remind you. Then also just wanted to remind you that uh, um, there is also Nick's Sunday, A wonderful opportunity uh, to hear the message of God in a unique way. We're going to have a drama group here. Uh, Generation Excellence is going to come and share a drama entitled El Roi, which means the God who sees. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to go to your neighbor and invite them to church. And tell them that there's going to be a drama that's worth seeing and it's not going to cost them a dime. We won't charge them to come in. All right, um, also go to your coworker, go to your family and say, hey, come, this will be, let's fill the house next week for these folks as they share together uh, in this wonderful drama. You will be impressed. I've never seen um, them do uh, anything less than an excellent job, so uh, they will be here, and if you want to, uh, please bring some items for their um, their mission project. They're collecting items for the Samaritans purse shoe boxes, so that uh, they can then uh, box a bunch of shoe boxes. So if you want to bring some items, we'll have some a place for you to drop them next week, and then we will be taking an offering for them to help them in that ministry. All right. So then for those of you that are married, how many of you are married in the room today? Lift up your hands. I want to see our married people. See all these married folks? All right, every one of you. I don't care if you've been married 10 minutes or, or 100 years. Uh, every one of us needs a little encouragement along life's journey. So we are putting on a marriage night uh, um, uh, on October the 22nd, where there will be fun, fellowship, and food, and a message—a secret. Um, it says one secret that will change your marriage. It's called vertical marriage. We want to encourage you to come. Uh, it's thirty dollars a couple, and that helps us pay for the meal, uh, uh, so that uh, um, we can we can provide you with a decent meal. Uh, so. Their tickets made up. You need to call the office or, or, or come by or let Erica know. Um, if you want to buy a ticket for a friend, please do. Invite couples to come. If you know a couple that can use this encouragement, it is not only just for our church. It's opened up to the community uh, and to anyone else as well. All right. So also in the bulletin is another insert. Deacon nomination is that time of year when uh, we uh, uh, need to uh, nominate and then elect some new deacons. And there are a list of men who have said if they are nominated, they'd be willing to serve in that office of deacon. Um, On October the 16th, we will uh, um, nominate three off that list. So begin praying about it. Begin praying for those men and who that the Lord would cause you to uh, uh, nominate for that job. And one last announcement. The end of October um, is Trunk or Treat. We need three things. We need folks that will donate some candy to help us uh, uh, supply trunks. And uh, also we need some trunks, people that are willing to bring their vehicle, decorate it, decorate themselves, you know, dress up, all that fun stuff, and, and participate And then we need folks that are willing to work in the kitchen and other places as we will be serving our community as well as they come through. So it's an outreach opportunity not only to sugar them up and send them home, but also to share the gospel with them. So if you're willing to help in one of those areas, please, please let us know. We need all the help we can get. All right. I think that's all the announcements that I had. Um, And uh, um, we'll move on to uh, our next thing. All right we have a song? Let's do it. Let's all stand and sing together. 779 and your handle, I'll fly away. Sing it like
1: you mean it because I know
0: standing up I just wanted you to know that uh, we have someone special watching because she can't quite get here yet. Uh, miss Sheila Holman is watching every week at home and uh, she can't wait until the Lord blesses her to get back on her feet so she can come be here. But what I want us to do is everybody turn towards the the sound room. I want us just to wave to Miss Sheila and tell her that we miss her and can't wait until she gets back. All right, Miss Sheila. uh, A little later on, I got a pop quiz just for you, and 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 I want to find out how many answers you get right when David gets home. All right, all right. So uh, I don't remember what we're supposed to do next. So go ahead and uh, uh, greet your neighbor. How about that? Let's go ahead and greet your neighbor. I don't know what we're supposed to do next. So uh, while you're greeting your neighbor, Anthony's gonna play. Anthony, go ahead and hit us up with something. Seated, is there any first time visitors here with us that might be thinking this place has lost their mind? (laughs) All right, well, I hope you have. Because um, we probably have, and, and, but that's a good thing to lose our mind in the Lord. All right. Well, we're glad you're here this morning, and we hope that you'll continue to take part in our worship service this morning. Um, I want us just to bow in, in a time of prayer this morning. Um, you know, this last week was a, a, a very traumatic time for uh, the East Coast. Uh, in the sense that from Florida on it through, we had a hurricane that hit and devastated many areas in Florida. Uh, we were told that it was coming in uh, to South Carolina, North Carolina, that it was supposed to come up and do some damage up here, but God was gracious and spared us. Uh, but we want to remember those that were in the midst of the storm today, and we want to pray for them as they recover from the storm. We want to remind them through prayer that our God who is faithful promises never to leave us in the midst of what we go through. And he also reminds us that what Satan means for harm, God can turn for good. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Just bow your heads and, and, and just pray for those folks that are recovering from the midst of the storm. And maybe here today you are in a different kind of storm. Maybe you know someone who's walking through a physical storm, a spiritual storm, or uh, an emotional storm. Maybe you want to pray for them this morning. Whoever it is that the Lord lays upon your heart this morning, just lift them before the Lord. Just a few moments, we'll, we'll close our time in prayer. Gracious Lord, we're thankful, Father, for your mercy. And Lord, I know that there are those that are um, looking around and saying, where is the mercy of the Lord? My place, my, my livelihood, my life is destroyed. But Lord, we're thankful for the mercy of the Lord and that they are still alive. And that, Father, that while there is yet breath, there is hope. And while there is hope... Lord, there is the grace of God. And so, Father, we're mindful that, Lord, many today are picking up the pieces and they're wondering how long is it going to take before we see any normality. Lord, I pray that, Father, that the grace of the Lord would overshadow them, the peace of God would come upon them. I pray that the love of Jesus would be shown through people coming into their lives and helping them to pick up the pieces. Father, we are here this morning thankful, Father, for the fact that, Lord, we can meet, we can worship, and we have everything intact. And, Lord, we want to not take that for granted. We don't want to gloat. But we want to praise the Lord and be remindful that, Lord, that, that means that we have been given the privilege and the opportunity to be there for others. So, Lord, would you show us ways that we can be there for others? Would you remind us, O oh Lord, that storms come in many ways. They come at many times. And they come one right after another. And Lord, perhaps there are some here even in this room today or some that are watching that are going through some storms. That may not be the natural kind that whips the wind and the rain. But Lord, the kind that causes our lives to fall apart. Causes our marriage to struggle. Causes our spirit to wane. Lord, may we be reminded that you are the calmer of storms. And that you are the God of peace. And you're the God of restoration. And Lord, may we pray, oh God. Help in time of need. Show yourself. So that, Father, uh, what the devil meant for evil, God does for good. And may the Lord be glorified, exalted, and praised. And as we come together this morning to lift our voice, may we pray, O oh Lord, that your presence and your power, your spirit would be upon us today that we would worship, honor and glorify you. In such a way that Father that the spirit of God would fall heavy upon us causing us to be obedient to your leadership. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right. I think we have another song. Oh, by the way, did anybody notice that we added another instrument to the group? And what a young, fine-looking man he is. Let's all stand and sing together. Number 92 in your hymnals. Oh,
1: how I love Jesus. up here and helps then who's going to carry on the choir so I'm just I'm honored today to get to sing with them
0: I out. All right, did you enjoy having those teenagers in the choir? Want them to come back more often? Let's give them a hand again. Amen? Wow. And and where's Anthony gone to? Uh, uh, Anthony, I'm just expecting him to be there every week, not just uh, once a month. Is he back there still? All right. All right, good, good. I like that. Greg Green, where are you? Where are you hiding, Greg? I I expect you to be uh, on his coattails with yours. Just just so you know, I have expectations. All right, if you are here this morning, I want you to turn to a little unknown book called the book of Jonah. Um, It's uh, in what we would call the minor prophet section, so it's right near the end of the Old Testament. Uh, It's kind of tucked in there between Obadiah and uh, Nahum and, and a couple of others, so Jonah. Now, before we go to uh, the Scripture this morning, I want to start with a pop quiz. I told Sheila that we got a pop quiz for her, but I have one for all of you as well. And here's how it's going to work. For this quiz, I'm going to start with a statement, and then I want you to say out loud the first answer that pops into your mind. All right, so I'm going to start with a statement. And then I want you to end that statement with the first thing that pops into your mind. So you're going to say it out loud. Don't be ashamed. Speak up. We know that you know this is going to be able to figure it out. All right. First of all, Zacchaeus climbed? Sycamore Sycamore tree. All right. Adam and? Eve. Very good. Boy, you're all pretty smart group here this morning. I'm going to make it a little tougher. Noah and? The ark, well, okay. All right, Daniel and? All right, boy, you are almost too, too hard to, a uh, 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 misshadowed eye and? I don't know either, I just was kidding. I just had to throw something in there to stump you. So, I, I found him in the Old Testament, somewhere I looked up weird names and his was there. I don't know what the guy did. All right, Jonah and the whale. Well, All right, very good. All right, you guys, you pass for now, but we'll see how that goes for the rest of the morning. All right, so part of our problem with these biblical accounts is that we only study the surface. We tell them as sensational little Bible stories that we start out reading to our children. And oftentimes, like uh, uh, so many little stories that we read to our children, we tend to only sensationalize the, 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 the main theme, and, and we somehow miss the, the meaning behind the, the story. However, I want you to know that there is a lot more to Noah than just the ark. There's a lot more to Daniel than just in the lion's den. As a matter of fact, um, we studied Daniel, the book of Daniel, in our Thursday group, and it took us almost four months or or more to to get through it. So there's much more there, all right? Um, There is much more to Zacchaeus than simply climbing the tree. And there is much more than Jonah. And, oh, by the way, you all said whale. That one you got wrong. Because that's what we say, Jonah and the whale, but nothing in Scripture actually says in the whale, it says it's a big fish. But we'll go with whale just because we know that's a big fish, all right? All right, the truth is that what we think about Jonah and the whale, or the big fish, is what we think about um, the whole story. That it's a, 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 just a cool story to tell our kids about a big fish swallowing a little guy, all right? All um, right? making it just a really interesting fish story. However, Jonah's story is much more than a fish story. In less than 50 verses of Scripture, there's a storm at sea, a conversion of idolatrous sailors, a miraculous rescue, a song of praise, repentance of a brutal nation, the unique revelation of God's relationship to unbelieving Gentile nations, a disobedient Jew, and uses of all sort of unhuman or non-human creation. The wind, a fish, a vine, a worm, even cattle. In many ways, Jonah is a microcosm of God's relationship and with, with sovereignty over all of creation. Jonah is a great story but it's more than just a great story. It talks about the fact that God not only loves all of creation, he loves all the kingdoms of creation, and he loves all of history. We do not think about Jonah and the great national revival that ever uh, recorded, and even after the shortest sermon ever preached, Now, some of you might catch on to this and say, Preacher, we want you to start preaching like Jonah. I mean, his sermon was not a 45-minute sermon. It was about a 30-second sermon. Repent. And then he moved on. You see, the reality is that Jonah did a great work, or God did a great work through Jonah. Without Jonah having to say a whole lot. We do not think about Jonah and the great national revival, but we also don't think of Jonah and the mercy of God. And we don't think about the fact that Jonah was the first missionary in human history recorded to be sent by God to a Gentile nation. We never think about the fact that he was the only prophet recorded at this point sent to a heathen nation with a message of repentance. Even worse... We don't immediately think of Jonah as a signature sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. However, Jesus himself, in the gospel, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus himself referred to Jonah in the light of his resurrection. Here's what he said. For as Jonas, or Jonah, was three days and three nights in the whale's belly so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, what was he saying? Just like Jonah who spent three days and three nights in the fish's belly, I will spend three nights in the pit of hell, in the middle of the earth, but that's all. Just like Jonah was spit out, Jesus resurrected. The book of Jonah is more... Than a whale of a tail. Now, I've heard some fish stories over the years. I've been around a lot of fishermen who said, I caught a fish and it was this big. When you see the pictures, it was this big. And I really wanted to put my pictures of my fishing trip in Hawaii up and tell you, I caught a fish this big. Truth is, they caught a fish this big. I caught one that big. I took claim of the other ones, I took the pictures. But I'm not in one of the pictures. And they said, did you not catch any fish? I said, yeah, but they wouldn't let me take a picture. I had to be the picture taker. So Jonah is more than a whale of a tail. It's more than a big fish story. If you would stand with, as we read just one verse, the first verse of Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. I want you to hear this word. This word that we get here speaks volumes if we will just listen to what God is saying. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Father, this morning, we bow before you asking that just as the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, that it would speak unto us. That Father you have promised that you have a word for every one of us. You have a message. You have a calling. You have a purpose. May we hear from you today. And may we not be afraid, rebellious, disobedient, But may we listen, may we obey, and may we follow. Now move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross that it not be my word, but your word that is spoken this morning as we look into these few words this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you, you may be seated this morning. I want us to begin this morning as kind of an introduction to the book of Jonah. And then I, I, I'm really not sure I've, I've looked at several ways in which I want to take this book, but, but here's where I want to begin. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, Now, now, today, the word of the Lord has spoken. I want you to begin to see the first thing that the book of Jonah tells us is the evidence that God is at work. Now. Now. God is saying to us right now, I wasn't at work. I ain't going to work. I'm at work. Right now. God is working all over the place, God is always at work. He is always doing what he does. He is never at rest. The matter of fact is that if God would ever take just a second of rest and not do what God does, the universe as we know it would fall apart. Completely. The earth would spin out of control and we'd all be dead. It'd be gone. So, the question that I want to ask is begin to look at the fact that God is at work. Why should we believe this little story? Why should we believe this story to be true? And I want to give you a few reasons why. I want to talk to you about the fact that, first of all, because Jonah is not a make-believe story. He's a real man living in a real time, and he's got a real challenge on his hands. Now, I I know that you might say, well, preacher, that sounds real good, but can you back it up? Yes, and we're going to. Jonah was a real man at a real time with a real challenge on his hands. Jonah, in fact, had been around for quite a while at this point in writing this story. He was, according to other scripture, he was a prophet for Jehovah uh, the second who reigned in the northern kingdom of Israel 750 years before the birth of Christ and we know that because second Kings chapter 14 tells us the story Jonah had already delivered a rather famous prophecy so um, as a matter of fact the Old Testament tells us how can we know that we can trust a prophet how can we know that the prophet who is speaking is true or not because when his prophecy comes true, you know that you can trust what he says. Well, I'm gonna tell you that according to 2 Kings chapter 14, Jonah had already prophesied an amazing prophecy that absolutely came true. It was fulfilled as the northern kingdom of Israel regained some of its lost territory. In 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25, it says God Restored the borders of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the sea of uh, Abareth, uh, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah, the son of uh, Amatai. The verse collaborates the time and the place of Jonah's ministry. 2 Kings even goes on to mention his hometown. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, we find out that Jonah's hometown actually became the very place uh, that Christ would spend his time. Galilee. Imagine for just a moment the prophet whose biography would provide an illustration of Christ's own resurrection was prophesying in the same neighborhood where Jesus Christ would later live and preach his ministry out of. Jonah prophesied for God during the ministry of, uh, of Hosea and Amos. He was likely that Jonah had been trained by his predecessor, Elisha. One writer, J. Sidlow uh, Baxter, wrote, Jonah would have been leading prophet among the schools of prophets when Elisha Was nearing the end of his remarkable ministry. Jonah was one of the revered prophets of the Jewish people. In fact, the father of Peter and John, or Peter and and Andrew, sorry, as disciples of Christ, was named after Jonah. Do you remember the father of Peter and, and Andrew? Uh, You might remember that Peter originally was known as Simon Bar-Jonah in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Bar simply means son of. Simon was the son of a man named after perhaps or even in honor of the most famous prophet, Jonah. He was the son of Jonah. Jonah. Not this Jonah, but a man named after this prophet, Jonah. As far as the average person felt, Jonah was one of all of the main prophets of those days. He was a prophet of old who helped Israel succeed in their time of need. He had preached the greatest evangelistic campaign in all of Israel's history, seeing a pagan nation called Nineveh come to faith. In God. And history tells us that after Jonah preached to Nineveh and they repented for many years, they lived faithfully for the Lord. Josephus, Israel's most famous writer, the first century Jewish historian, incorporated Jonah into the antiquities, antiquities he wrote, meaning the first century writings. And here's what he said. But since I have promised to give an exact account of our history, I have thought it necessary to recount what I have found written in the Hebrew books concerning this prophet, Jonah. 150 years after the death of Solomon, Jonah is preaching in Israel. This is not a fantasy book. It's not a whale of a tale. It's not a fish story even though there's a fish in the story. Jonah was a real man in real time with a real big situation. Now, why don't some people want to believe this story? Why is it that there are critics out there who are constantly trying to get us to think that this is not true? This is just some mystical book that was written as a good kid's story. There's little wonder that Satan has attempted throughout history to make the book of Jonah the butt end of many jokes and sneers. For centuries, the average liberal professor along with so many other so-called scholars have attempted to downplay, discredit, deride, and destroy the credibility of the book of Jonah as biblical truth. Since many of you have either heard of or maybe even set under such teaching, I thought that I might remind you of a few reasons why these people seem to believe what they believe and how far-fetched their belief is. So I want to just give you just a few. First of all, they object to the, uh, the truth of, uh, of the book of Jonah because of the abundance of miracles in the book of Jonah. Because of the amount of miracles, they say this, there's no way that this book can be true. There's just too many uh, mystical things that are going on. Frankly, you and I should expect this because they're unbelievers. They do not believe that God sent a fish to swallow Jonah because, in fact, they don't even believe that God created the fish. Non-believers have a tendency of saying we don't believe in creation, we believe in evolution. We believe that, that we came from nothing and therefore everything that is is just by happenstance. And therefore there is no creator, so there is no God who could have created a fish to swallow a man because we don't believe that God ever created man, nor do we believe that he created a fish. They do not believe that God created the plants, the animals, or even the man in Genesis chapter 1. So why would they expect to believe Genesis or Jonah chapter 1? My friends, we will never be able to convince the unbelievers of God's power until they have placed their faith in the power of God's Son. Until then, Paul wrote this about nonbelievers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he says, a natural or unsaved man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. Did you catch that? It's impossible for unsaved people, natural man to understand the spiritual things of God. It isn't until the Spirit of God works in our heart and in our life that we begin to understand the mysterious things that God himself has done. Miracles make no sense to us. So it's no wonder that they say, well, there's just way too many miracles. Uh, all of these things are just too far-fetched to believe. Well, I believe them. I hope you do. Because if you don't, you've got a biblical problem. Because Paul said to Timothy, everything in this book, everything including the story of Jonah, is inspired truth from God's word. If Jonah is not a true story, then God is a liar and the whole book is useless. And I don't know about you, but I found it to be quite useful. So I believe Jonah to be true. Now the second reason that they they have a tendency of not believing is they consider Jonah to be a fairy tale because of the strange, unique mission of Jonah. Now, I've already hit it on this, but I'll kind of explain. Liberal scholars point out that God had never before commissioned any Jewish person to go to a Gentile nation. Therefore, this could not be a true story. It simply had to be a makeup story so the Jews could feel better about themselves, saying, we know that we should be going, but we're not going, so we'll just talk about how we went. Can I just remind you that just because God doesn't do something before doesn't mean that he can't do something? (laughs) Just because he hadn't doesn't mean he didn't want to or need to and it was going to happen. He's not like us. Now, I'm going to step on some toes here. He's not like us. And the fact that we say, well, we've never done it like that before, so I don't think we ought to do it now. Can I just say that if that were the case, I don't think I could have lasted 20 years here because I have done a lot of things that we've never done before, and you've went along with it. God is a God who says, just because I haven't done it yet, doesn't mean I don't plan on doing it. Now, let me also remind you, did you know that the Bible is filled with truths that God has always had a heart for these people? The truth is that both Elijah and Elisha, under the direction of God, made contact with pagan kings. Go back and read their stories. They they prophesied against them all the time, and and they had connection to them. They knew that it was the God of the universe that was troubling them and, and that he wanted their attention. Now, Jonah became a special envoy to a pagan people. It's not as far fetched as it sounds. Now, let me remind you, let's go to the New Testament just for a moment, just to kind of draw some analogies here because I want to start with John 3.16. I want everybody to quote it with me. You all know it. Here we go. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, you just said it. Now, did you catch what you just said? For God so loved what? The world. He didn't say, I think I'm going to start liking more people. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to broaden my, 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 my span of, uh, of social activity. I'm going, to, I'm going to reach outside just a little bit of Israel. No, it says that for God so loved the world. Love, meaning that it's something He's been doing since the beginning. He's always loved the world, everyone in it. Now, if that weren't enough to to give you uh, a change of heart, Paul also was called to preach both to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And if that isn't enough to convince you that God loves the world, that he wants to reach outside of the Jewish nation into the heart of every man... I challenge you to go back and read the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, all through the book, what does it say time and time again? God loved the people of the world enough that he wanted to reach every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language. Over and over and over again, God said that when and I wrap it all up will be after I have reached every tribe, every language of people. God's always loved the world. So to say that we can't believe this to be a true story because the Jews didn't like people, that's true, perhaps. But God did. All right? The third reason that they oftentimes object is they object to Jonah being a true story because of the words that Jonah used. They, they seem to be incompatible, they say, with his vocabulary. Did you catch that? I had to read this one a couple of times and read through what they were, the writer was talking about so I could fully understand it. They assume to say that we know exactly how Jonah would have spoken and the words that he would have used, the vocabulary that he would have, and the phrases that he would have used. And and there's some words in here that that we just don't think that Jonah would have used in those days. Aren't you glad that those people are so smart that they know exactly how Jonah was going to talk even though they weren't ever around him? Isn't it great to know we got smart people? Huh. Well, can I just remind you again that the very words, and we don't have time to look at them, but the very words that they're talking about, that they say Jonah wouldn't have spoke because they weren't words of that day, were actually words that were taken out of previous Old Testament writings, were phrases that they object to that God had already, through the prophets, spoken. So their, their, their reason for not believing holds no water. Now, there's more, but we don't have time for that. Here's my advice. Don't let the critics, the unbelievers, cause you to doubt the truth of God's word. Jonah is not make-believe. He's a real man living in a real time with a real challenge on his hands. So, let's get to the verse. You got another 30 minutes? I'm just checking. All right, real quick. The evidence of God's call. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. I want to talk about key reasons or key lessons that we can learn about Jonah. First, who is Amittai? We do not know much more than the fact that he was Jonah's father, but there is something that we do know about him, and that's his name, and that's important. And I'm going to tell you why in just a few moments. Jonah also tells us that a lot about himself, but yet his name is a key factor. So the name of both his father and himself are keys to knowing about Jonah. Jonah is the Hebrew word for the word dove. Often, children of believing Hebrews would be named after animals in hopes that the child uh, would grow up to exhibit everything good about the best characteristics of that animal. The dove has been known as something of gentleness, harmlessness, flight, and most significantly that of peace. Ever since Genesis chapter 8, verse 11... When the dove flew back to Noah with an olive branch or leaf in its mouth, the dove has become a symbol of hope and peace. In fact, to this very day, around the world, the phrase to extend an olive leaf or an olive branch is used to symbolize the offering of peace. Whenever the dove is seen on a flag, an emblem, or a banner, It's always shown in flight because it signifies the role of a messenger. So, this is a man whose name was to symbolize peace, sent out with a message to extend an olive branch to a nation headed for destruction. Jonah, the dove, is about to be commissioned by the emperor of heaven to serve as an ambassador of peace to a wicked nation. The text gives us Jonah, but it also gives us his father, Amittiah. Amittiah comes from the same Hebrew word that gives us the word that we get for amen, which is the confirmation of that which is true. So Jonah, the son of I meant the messenger of peace, the son of, of truth. This is much more than a coincidence. Jonah has been given the message of peace, but he has to go and speak the truth. Jonah did not go to Nineveh and talk about peace, love, and joy. He went to them and told them the truth. If you don't repent, you will be destroyed. We cannot have peace with God unless we first believe the truth of God. Jonah will deliver the truth to a pagan nation on the brink of disaster. He will literally live out his name's sake. However, Jonah does not really want to go to do this. This is a part we need to remember. Let us not be so hard on the dove of peace. Though before we know it, the facts will play out why Jonah chose to do what he did. We'll discover what it means to go to Nineveh, a people renowned for their brutality. They they were known to dismember their, their enemies a limb at a time. However, leaving the right arm and hand intact so they could chase or, sh- or shake their enemies' hands as they watched them die. I've read much on Nineveh and the brutality of this group of people. Notice that Jonah is given no assurance from God that they will listen to him or that he'll even survive this encounter. I'm not so sure that if you and I were given the same assignment that we wouldn't head the other way either. Now, let me give you just a few key lessons that we can learn from Jonah. Now, now that we have learned a little bit about Jonah, what are some of the key lessons that we can learn from Jonah? Let me just suggest a few. First of all, be alert. God has delivered his word to us as well. The Bible says in in Jonah chapter 1, now the word of the Lord has come unto Jonah. Have you ever thought about the fact that the word of the Lord has come unto you? I hope that today you're holding it. I hope that you know that the word of the Lord has come unto you. God has given us his word, and it's just for you. It's just for me. He has given us that which he has spoken to us through the word of God, the Bible. You may say, but oh no, but I'm not like Jonah, I'm not a prophet. Can I just remind you, I'm not a prophet either. As a matter of fact, I'm not a son of a prophet. As a matter of fact, as one preacher said, I even work for a nonprofit. You'll get that on the way home for the rest of you. Okay. The truth is that God has spoken. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 tell us this. God... Who in sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. We hold the words of the prophets and the words of Christ and of the apostles when we carry the word of God. And Peter, I mean, uh, uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy, The word of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, the believer, may be adequately equipped for every good work. God has spoken. So be alert to what God is speaking to your heart about. Listen as you read the words on the page for the Spirit to speak truth into your life. The second thing that we learned, the key lesson we learned from Jonah is be encouraged. God can use anyone, anytime in and anything to accomplish his will. Jonah shows that how God can even use a pagan sailor, a storm at sea, a plant and a worm, a fish, a stubborn prophet. The grace of God is not beyond using you. Even stubborn, flattering Jonah was the servant of the hand-picked by God to bring a national revival. So be alert, be encouraged. God is wanting to use you as well. Be careful, number three. For many of us, we forget that past obedience does not guarantee future obedience. We need to be careful that we don't say, well, I've been good in the past. I've done what you've wanted, so I guess I'll always do what you want. Many believe that Jonah was more than likely an old man at the time of the writing of, and the account of the story of Jonah. As a matter of fact, Jonah would have already accomplished Most of what he accomplished in his life and of of obedience before this time. Now, for example, think about Daniel. Daniel was somewhere around 85 years old before God allowed him to be thrown into the den of lions. If we look at it, Daniel had to go through a whole lot of trials and tribulations and a whole lot of growth before he got to the place where he could say, You know, go ahead, God's got me. Jonah had to go through a whole lot of obedience before he came to this one spot in his life. Think about it. Jonah had lived years of faithful service as a prophet of God, and we only have a single verse found in 2 Kings about his obedience. But yet we have a whole book about his failure. Hmm. What does that say to us? I don't know about you, but I'm glad that we don't have a book about its successes in one verse about its failures. Because what that says to me is that God can use me even though I oftentimes fail. God can use me even though oftentimes I rebel. God can use me even though sometimes I don't understand what he's doing. You see, the book of Jonah reminds us that, that Jonah was just a man like us. And even though we have all of this about his failure, we learn more about us as we learn more about him. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this about the Old Testament prophets. And here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 10.6. Now these things were used for our example. Paul said that God gave us stories of the failures as well as the successes so that we would have an example to follow. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad I ain't following somebody that never makes a mistake. I'm sure glad that there's men and women in the Bible that messed up royally. But yet God continued to use because what that says to me is there's still hope for me. We would not learn nearly as much on how to live for God if all of the struggles and disobediences of life were taken out of God's word. This is a book for saints who get it wrong. This is a book to warn and amaze and thrill and challenge us on how that we can get it right. So as we dig into the book of Jonah, there's several ways that we can look at this. And so who knows how long we'll take to look at 50-some verses of Scripture. But let me close with this. Just like Jonah. Jonah. Jesus was called by God to go to a people upon whom judgment was about to come. But unlike Jonah, Jesus came to those people. Those people being you and me. Jesus came to earth to tell the story that we needed to repent because judgment was coming. Remember, the word of the Lord has come to us as well. We are all called to go and tell the world. We are called to tell them to believe that Jesus Christ offers the gift of eternal life. It's not just to the believers. Everybody believes in something belief must be have its proper objective that object is jesus he is the only hope of salvation people must believe in jesus but listen it's not just believe in god but believe in jesus And it's not just believe that he died on a cross and he rose again. It's not just believe that he is God and he can do what he wants to do. It is believing that we can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that guarantees eternal life. It's simple. Three things. Believe in Jesus for eternal life. That's what he calls us to do. Believe in Jesus and we shall receive eternal life. If we can do that, the book of Jonah becomes more than a whale of a tail. It becomes a story that tells us how we can draw near to God even when we mess up. Ron, you got the book out? You got a song? Go for it. As they're getting ready, let's bow our heads and our hearts before the Lord and let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning for those that might be listening online and those that need to know that we can believe in Jesus and have eternal life. I pray that, Father, that they would understand just as those that are sitting here would understand that we must believe in the finished work of Calvary's cross. We must believe that he came. We must believe that he loves us That he died for us so that we could have a personal relationship with him. Lord, it's my prayer that there would be those who would hear and would receive eternal life. Lord, to thank you for just what we've heard today. The word of the Lord has come. Now, Father, we look forward to what it's going to say to us. Help us, O oh Lord, as we make decisions this morning. to